you know, glass half full, there's more room to improve. You don't want to peak halfway through three quarters of the way through the season. You want to peak during playoff time. But I got to say, you know, we just need to be more disciplined. This is the Splitting Hairs podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Fumbling to me is is super concerning. Uh, Put it on the turf five times. I thought there was a couple other times where the ball came up close uh, to being down, uh, but luckily they they ruled the person down. Uh, But I like Blake Coons this week. And I'm saying Isaiah Weston is going to play and Dyshawn Gales is going to shut him down. Uh, He's going to match him up with the speed and the size, and he's going to shut Isaiah Weston down. Player to watch for me is going to be Mikey. Uh, Last, this past Saturday, I called Mikey out. I think stylistically, it's another Mikey Daniel day. Now here are your hosts, Matt Tollefson and Kyle Sheehan. Welcome back to another episode of the Splitting Hairs podcast. Uh, here today, Matt Tollison with Jackrabbit Illustrated and joined by Kyle Sheehan as always. Kyle, how are you today? It's a little frigid here in Texas. Oh, please. Dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's, it's all relative. It's all relative. Now, it's, uh, it's a little dark uh, as it is always after a rough Saturday for the Jacks, but um, uh, another week of opportunity. It's Veterans Day, so... Shout out to all those uh, servicemen and women who have uh, tried their hand at the armed services to help protect our freedoms. So I think that's worth getting out there. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Kyle. Uh, happy, happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service, everyone out there that's listening. I know we do have a few uh, listeners who are veterans. So again, just appreciate your service and sacrifice for, for our country. Yeah, and with that, with that said, dude, it was uh, Military Appreciation Day on Saturday, and that was about all there really was to kind of appreciate on that Saturday, it looked like, from where I was sitting. Yeah, it uh, it wasn't the the best game we've seen, let's just say that. So this team has, has played at a much higher level this year and certainly has the ability to play at a higher level going forward, I think. Uh, you, you've done a rewatch, you watched it, uh, live on, on Midco. Um, what are, what were your first impressions, Kyle? First impressions were, we still have not played a complete complimentary football game on the year. Um, we have playmakers who step up and bring the juice and bring the energy on each side of the ball. We look a little disjointed on our special teams as far as our KOR game, as far as the operational elements of PAT field goal. And it's, it's you know, glass half full. You, there's more room to improve. You don't want to peak halfway through, three quarters of the way through the season. You want to peak during playoff time. But I got to say, you know, we just need to be more disciplined, which from where I'm sitting is, is kind of odd because, you know, Coach Stig is uh, a person who's, um, stylistically, uh, one of discipline in terms of getting his units ready to play and playing uh, a full three out of three complete game in all phases. So, you know, there's there's stuff we can look at on the tape and improve in. There's certain things that, again, I'm not privy to the the entire scope of information at, at why they might have done some things. I would have liked to have seen Yankee get more play. Um, and this is 
uh, Jaden, number nine, not Jackson. I would have liked to have seen him return some kicks maybe against some different level competition. Um, I love that the coaches are trusting him, but like I said earlier in the year when everybody was like, oh, why is Cade back there returning kicks? Why is Mikey back there returning kicks? That's exactly why they're back there. You got to have guys you can trust when it comes to ball security. Yeah, that's very true. And I think uh, the, the the injury to uh, – it, oh. it, It's going to be an uphill battle um, with ice skates on if you're trying to uh, – take care of the ball and you're, you're just letting it get out of hand there. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point on the kickoff return, you know, not having Cade back there. Uh, I still feel is the right decision limiting the amount of hits that he takes. Uh, but in a situation like this week where, where CJ is out, who's been handling uh, the responsibilities. Uh, yeah. It gets a little bit trickier then. Cause then you're down to your, you know, third option. Uh, you know, I still wonder what Dion Campbell would look like back there. Uh, you know, if, if he hadn't transferred someone like Isaiah Hill, uh, but you got to play the guys you got. So uh, it's, it's too bad. Uh, the fumbling to me is, is super concerning. Uh, putting it on the turf five times. I thought there was a couple other times where the ball came out close uh, to being down, uh, but luckily they, they ruled the person down. Uh, but man, losing three of them and, and, and putting our defense in that situation multiple times in the game that just really wears on a defense over the course of a game and the course of a season. So we just have to do better in, in what's left here of the regular season. And, and, and it absolutely can't happen in the playoffs. So uh, that. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Well put. And when you look at some of the ball security issues, specifically stemming from the quarterback position, stick brought up a great point. I think that he, that Keaton is kind of staying on his first read a little long, which again goes back to, the previous week, this is why a young quarterback needs all the reps he can get. You know, being five months on campus uh, is is just not enough to really expedite all the looks he's going to see. And then, you know, in terms of you got to understand who you're going up against. And Coach Spack is an excellent defensive schemer. He's done it at the FBS level in the Big Ten at Purdue. And, you know, he's consistently done it at Illinois State with already having 80 wins on his resume. Um, this is his 11th season dating back to 2008. He's a defensive guru. And, and it's, it's familiar because he doesn't, he doesn't do a whole lot of fancy stuff, but he can definitely um, throw some, some wrinkles in there, some nuances within the 4-3 scheme that he's been so accustomed to um, with kind of uh, the stand-up Jack linebacker and, uh, kind of that amoeba front that we addressed that really gave us fits. I mean, they they sent a couple double a gap blitzes, which is which is strategically, you know, really really smart because you got a new center. We're going to test his communication skills. We're going to test it to see if we can get the Jacks offensive line to slide appropriately. Um, and then if you can't pick up, you know, just a standard four man rush, are you going to have to keep it back into chip? You know, so basically they just forced our hand, which was a tough thing to see. We got to see the guard position solidify. Just kind of the same things, Matt, that you and I have been repeating uh, throughout the course of the year. Yep, certainly. Uh, you know, good things that, that I liked. Uh, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought Mikey Daniel had a really nice game, and I would have liked to seen him get a few more touches. Uh, and I know that's tough because you, you want to keep trying to get Pierre going, uh, but this is just kind of a Mikey day uh, straight ahead. Uh, just power football 
and and for whatever reason Pierre just was not able to get much traction at all throughout the whole day I mean a 2-4 average I don't know if he's ever come close to having that low of an average on a game so uh, there were certainly opportunities out there too where we left some yards on the field Uh, I think it was the first time we ran that the wild rabbit and Pierre uh, went to run to the left side and Matt Clark completely whiffed on his block and Pierre got dumped Uh, you know so so there's just some opportunities there where maybe if we slice uh, slice them or, or gash them on some of these big runs that they, they loosen up a little bit. I don't know, just some missed opportunities, some points left on the field. Uh, just a frustrating day, I think, for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw Sam Herder tweet out, uh, who, who writes for Hero Sports, that, uh, you know, the Jackrabbits lost that game as much as the Redbirds won it, putting the ball on the turf. Um, not taking care of the the offensive line responsibilities like we are accustomed to historically. And um, just that leakage on the offensive line uh, didn't allow some of our fullbacks or, or backs to, to find their creases or to, you know, they're having to make a cut when guys are in the backfield. It just it disrupts the play. And then, you know, when I, I think that what happened was is perhaps Eck got a little bit um, – leery of of leaning on the run game when we're only averaging such a paltry you know two three yards a pop when in reality i think if maybe we would have trusted it a bit more we would have put keaton in some better uh situations through the air yep agreed uh another bright spot ben dinkle again this year (laughs) Uh, his ability just to to flip back and forth between a rugby style and and really being able to sky a punt in a traditional punting uh style is just really impressive it, it just really keeps the return man on his toes and he doesn't know how to play it. You know, does he go back a little further? Uh, does he come up? Does he, how, how quickly does he try to approach the ball? If it's a line drive uh, and we almost got a fumble on that, on the very first punt he had, that was a line drive It skipped. Uh, the return man tried to fall on top of it. Uh, I mean, some of those breaks, sometimes it just takes some of those weird breaks to get some momentum going. Uh, and we just didn't get them at all this game. Yeah, and, and some of those things create the spark, right? So, like, we we had the unbelievable pick by Bacchus, which was just a great personal yeah. effort on his part. Yes. And then we have the safety. So, in essence, you have a turnover margin of plus two. So, all we got to do is secure the football, lean on our run game, um, and play within ourselves. I think, too, we got a little bit um, – I think we pulled out stops that we didn't necessarily need to. Like – Maybe, maybe they didn't trust the consistency of the kicking game or maybe wanted to catch him sleeping. But, again, know your opponent. Coach Spack is a good coach. He's going to have his assistants uh, preparing at the level of, of the Jackrabbits, of the NDSUs of the world, of the Weaver States of the world, you know, really well-coached football teams. So I don't like pulling that out there. And you can say, oh, well, Kyle, if it works, you know, you're saying that's awesome. I don't like that situationally there, even if it works, because – I don't think the yield is enough to warrant doing it because I'm all about when you have a freshman quarterback control the flow of the game mm-hmm. to where he doesn't have to do anything to play with outside his skill set. Yeah. And a, a stuffed fake field goal. Uh, I don't know if you miss the field goal, there's still momentum change, but a stuffed fake feels different. And the, fa- and the fact that everyone around me, even the, the nonchalant, fans said oh there's chase i bet it's a fake you know it was so weird because people in the stands were talking about it 
Brady Davis talked about it in the press conference afterwards that they were yelling to the Illinois State players, watch the fake, watch the fake. Yeah. Uh, it's just, <laughs> just bizarre that, 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 that that's what ended up happening, you know, because it just, it just, I don't know. It just is so weird that in a, in a poor call situationally, I don't like it exactly like you said. Uh, so it is what it is, you know, it just, it, it's one of those games where it feels like we just couldn't get out of our own way in some, in some ways credit, you know, Illinois state came in with a good game plan as well. Um, they blitzed 70% of the time offensively, you know, I never expected their tight ends to be able to make the plays that they made. They made some incredible catches and they were running through our zones, uh, wide open. Uh, but, I, I didn't see that watching Illinois State at all. And coming in, they had combined for, I think, what, four or six catches on the year. They had that in this game alone. So credit to them for seeing something and scheming up uh, a really good game plan to get Brady Davis comfortable back there. Well, and, and not not like a personal jab at him at all, but Brady Davis did a lot to try to give the game away to us as well. Yeah. I mean, with some of his uh, his gutsy – um, extensions of the play. Um, obviously, you know, he grounded the ball within the end zone, which, which was basically, you know, he felt some pressure, but that was an unforced error, essentially, like you would hear in tennis. But then uh, some of his scramble rules, man, where a couple times he could have probably run for the first down, but backtracked and, you know, got careless with the ball, overextended, fumbled, and yeah. recovered it. So, I mean, he was who we thought they were, to, to, quote, to quote the great, uh, great late Denny Green. But, um, you know, when you have a, a scheme, a game plan that fits who you're attacking, like Illinois State did with, you know, some, some question marks on the offensive line for the Jacks, and then when the coaching staff is, is off kilter a little bit with – some of the things that we're doing in terms of on the blue and yellow side, you have a recipe for disaster where you basically um, concede what should have been a win. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> that's a great point. I'm, I was watching the replay and you know, that on the intentional grounding in the end zone, uh, it was a one man route. It was a really weird call, play call for Illinois state. Uh, and Austin Nagel fell down at the top of the route. And even if, like even if he doesn't fall down, Don Gardner had phenomenal coverage on it, and I I would have bet Don could have broke on that um, if if Davis had thrown it and maybe housed that one because he was right on top. So he knew that five yard out or ten yard out was coming, whatever it was, uh, and so Davis didn't have a choice. He just had to chuck it out. <laughs> he could have yeah. tried to chuck it over. Uh, over Nagel's head, his wide receivers had out of bounds in that direction, but he panicked, obviously. And uh, it was just a good play because the defensive line did a great job of collapsing the pocket around him, too. So, yeah. Sometimes- yeah, you know, and that brings up uh, a nice little segue into talking about the Jackrabbit defensive line. I think that Caleb Sanders is phenomenal. I personally think that he he plays at an all-American caliber watching how quickly he penetrates, how, how much of a fit he is for offensive linemen. You know, he was making Brady run for his life uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times, whether he did, whether he got there for the sack or not, he was being a disruptive force, which was great to see. But I, what I did see is, is effective blocking uh, as far as the scheme that Illinois state was running in, in I guess the best analogy is kind of using jujitsu, right? Jujitsu or Aikido, where you use the momentum of the attacker against them. And 
they were kind of doing that when they were they were washing down our, our D line and washing down some of our backers, allowing uh, number seven to kind of bounce the ball outside a couple times. You know, uh, our aggressiveness at the corner, we were getting eyes kind of caught in the backfield a couple times on the fourth and five that they went for. Diamond just stood up one of their running backs and then he got kind of got caught peeking into the backfield one time. And, you know, that's yep. going to happen with young players, but you just hope that in in uh, in those f- first down situations when that's on the line that you don't you don't give those up. So I will learn from it. I'm very confident that Coach Rogers and um, you know Coach Bergstrom are going to get everything squared away because I think you're going to see more of the same as steady diet of even though you and I's got some running backs hurt and they're banged up, they're going to try to run it right at us. I would imagine. Yep, I agree. Uh, we'll get into you and I in a little bit, uh, but yeah, we get, we got to be ready for the rest of the year. I mean, you and I likes to run the ball they're not great at it this year but they like to usd's been actually that's been they've been putting up some really good numbers running the ball um even in their losses they've been running the ball okay so we'll see uh (laughs) so one thing i do want to hit on is that this isn't necessarily um our, our typical bad loss it feels like sometimes it's a it's a mentally not being there or an effort thing uh i don't think that was the case this week, I thought I thought effort was really good on the first watch. Uh, it, there were, mistakes were made. Don't get me wrong, uh, but especially on our defensive side, man, they were really really playing hard. Uh, it just it just didn't always come out right. I don't think. And uh, again, mistakes were made, but it, they definitely weren't efforts. I don't think it was effort. An effort wasn't a problem. Schematically, things were there, and physical mistakes happened. So. Yeah, I would second that. That's that's an excellent point. And then a couple times uh, I, I noticed we just weren't getting to depth in pass coverage. Like you mentioned, the tight ends kind of getting off. Yep. We weren't getting to depth quick enough. Maybe we weren't diagnosing plays quick enough. Maybe our legs weren't as fresh as we need them to be. Whatever the case may be, we need to address those things and be very proactive on the on the front end going into this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess the one other thing, the elephant in the room, we haven't really talked about yet, Kyle, that we need to, uh, is attendance, right? Uh, and it, I walked in uh, about 10 minutes before kickoff, looked around, and thought, holy crap, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and I turned around then and looked at the student section and saw there was 100 and some kids there, or students there. Uh, I have a little bit more forgiveness for them because they've been doing great so far this season. Uh, the three-day weekend, I get that. Um, but we're still a school of 12,000. You'd think we'd have more than a couple hundred there for students. But my main gripe is with our adult fan base and only having 7,000 of us there. Like, that is so bad. So bad. And I know you have some thoughts and ideas as well. I welcome you to share them, Kyle, if, you, if you'd like. Yeah, we, you know, I don't think ridicule ever really earned a true convert. So I'm not going to sit here and finger wave to the adults who <laughs> have pri- have priorities and have different things going on in their lives. Sure. But what I will say is this, in the state of South Dakota, there are only a select few things that can bring a ton of people together and create an atmosphere and experience that you just can't duplicate uh, throughout the course of the year, right? And the weather was pretty good by all accounts. Um, And you, you know, if winning isn't going to get it done, 
I, I put the onus on the folks who, who are in control. Um, and again, I'm not finger waving at them either. I'm saying they should be tasked with getting as creative as possible. Maybe it's tuition giveaways and you examine the ROI of doing that and what it would yield in potential uh, ticket sales to where in ticket sales, merch sales, uh, concessions, things of that nature. You need to get creative. I would say the ambiance of the stadium when I was there for game day, game day in and of itself is a feature that drove a lot of that traffic. The bison drove a lot of that traffic, right? But I mean, there are a lot of things from logistics to like, so if you sell out a game, getting to concessions and to the restroom, the flow, the logistical flow of it was not clean. So that needs to get ironed out in the, if the expectation is sellout or almost at capacity, that needs to get cleaned up. The PA announcer, I, I don't know who that is, and he or she did a, a pretty decent job during the, the Bison game. More energy needs to be brought. It needs to be reflective of a contemporary audience that you're going to find in the students, bridged with the older audience that you're going to find in the, the average lay fan or the folks within the community. The music, the just the overall appeal needs to be, the ante needs to be upped. Um, because in you know, Ben made a great comment in our text thread. Look at look at institutions and organizations that operate with a similar budget in small areas as well, small rural areas, like the minor league baseball circuit, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that if we look to see what they're doing for promotions, for, for gatherings, I mean, rabbit reward points is all well and good, but that's not going to drive people away from hunting, away from, you know, family time, three-day weekend, travel, whatever. So incentivize it to what people are, are going to do anyway, um, the, hunt, the hunters of the world and, and all that. And I would say to those folks, you still have plenty of time to do that if you hit a three-hour game and, and hang out with your buddies and create an experience. So that's my little, uh, that's my little rant there. But I think that you got to control what you can control, and the admin department is really who that onus is going to fall on, especially when you have as quality talent as this Jack's team does. Yeah, and and I think uh, I forget if it who who it was in our group, but brought up a great point about it takes it's just a matter of changing the culture. Uh, I think it was Brendan, you know that you that you grow up as a kid wanting to go to these games, and then you go to college and you go to the games, and then you become an adult and you go to the games, and uh, it's just a it's just a different culture because until shoot twelve years ago. 15 years ago we weren't very good at football right and we've talked a lot about that like our division two success was pretty lackadaisical uh there there wasn't much there wasn't much success there in division two and so it's still growing we don't have this rich history to draw from uh so eventually we're going to get there because we're still doing great things and this team is too dang good and there's a whole generation of uh kids you know and, and people that are coming up now that 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 go to the games and it's going to only increase hopefully if we continue the success uh but it's going to take time we're going to have to be patient but days like saturday sure are frustrating so yeah well yeah. put and to brendan's point and to what you just addressed there really yeah there's no restorative culture to pull from there's no you know d2 power or prominence that we really had in our heritage. So this is all kind of new to the community, to the culture around Jackrabbit football. And some people might might look at 
that or listen to that and scoff at it. And I look at it as look what's created brand new out of thin air there pretty much. Right. Yep. Um, with the exception of some stud athletes, we've had like Hayden, like Vinatieri, like uh, Timmerman. Yep. We've had some dogs there, but now, now we have uh, a dog pound of, of just complete athletes, great coaching staff. So just honor them, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know another way to go about it, but then uh, to say the admin and the community need to work together on this um, to kind of get it corrected. Yep. All right. So let's jump into you and I and kind of exploring what the Panthers are this year. Uh, and right now the Panthers are red hot uh, since getting trucked by NDSU a few weeks ago. Uh, they've been pretty dominant, but right now they're also very banged up. So on both sides of the ball, they have a lot of preferred starters that haven't even played this year that, that were injured in summer. Uh, and then it's only continued for them, kind of a nightmare of a season injury-wise. So uh, this is just hot off the press right now, recording um, from panthermania.net. And they had a press conference today. Uh, Coach Farley was up there. And their leading receiver, who's just been on a tear this year, is Isaiah Weston. Uh, he's 18 yards short of 1,000 yards receiving. So had a huge year. He went down in the second quarter against Indiana State in their victory last week. Uh, and he's questionable. It, it's not a knee, so it's either an ankle or a foot or a toe because um, it's something on his right leg. They didn't really disclose what it is besides saying it is not his knee. So potentially turf toe, ankle, something like that. Uh, but he joins, get this, so there are other lists of, of folks that aren't playing. Uh, their starting tailback just had ankle surgery, and he's ha had a great year for them. Uh, he's Hoosman. been the, yeah, Hoosman has been their most dynamic player. Obviously, yep. we've talked about Briley Moore. Briley Moore's out. Uh, Trevor Allen's missed some time due to concussion. Their backup tight end, Tristan Bohr, he's out for the season. Their slot receiver, Deion McShane, is out for the season with a leg injury. So they are banged up at the skill position. And if, if he can't go, if uh, Isaiah Weston can't go, I – their offense is going to be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's tough sledding. Uh, I, although, you know, Mark Farley is a very, very solid coach and very similar in, in terms of style and approach to, to Coach Spack in, in terms of what he wants to do in terms of plan of attack. So I would, I would uh, have said last week, oh, we're sitting pretty because, look, Illinois State's depleted that wide out, but I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch against the Panthers, seeing what happened last week. Sure, sure. And they still – and you and I still has uh, some good players. Uh, we've talked, talked about him a lot this year. Will McIlvain, redshirt, yeah. redshirt freshman, what he's doing there. He's a threat on both the ground and with his arm. Uh, he, he makes up for a little bit of a, a poor pass-blocking offensive line, I'd argue, this year. He's still been sacked 20 times, but – uh, McIlvain has definitely saved them from some sacks. We've both noticed that in our watching of you and I. Uh, yep. Trevor Allen is still a nice player. Uh, feels like he's been there toting the rock for them forever, but he is finally a senior. Uh, and then, um, oh, what's his name? Jalen James. Jalen James has been catching passes too for it feels like quite a forever. while. Uh, mm -hmm. And he, so he's reliable. He's a good player. So it's not, it's not like they don't have any talent, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're still going to have plenty of talent. It's just not the same 
horses that that maybe we thought you know back in august when we were looking at their roster yeah in the telltale thorn in the side historically for the jacks is is mobility at the quarterback position you saw it in desire designed runs with trey lance you got a little bit of a taste of it from brady davis last week but McIlvain is uh, i would say a tier above uh, davis and certainly below trey lance but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Jacks do to kind of corral him. Um, and then, you know, seeing what he does with the ball when he distributes it, you know, historically, um, the Panthers aren't a team that are, that's going to have like one guy kill you. They're fairly balanced and they do it kind of by committee to the tight end, to James, to, a you know, kind of a herd of running backs there. So we'll see what they try to do to address it. I'm actually more concerned with what they're able to do on defense. Yeah. A great, great point. Their defense is really good. <laughs> I don't know. 19 how points a game um, <laughs> against already really running through the, the meat of a Missouri Valley schedule. And then obviously taking Iowa state toe to toe the first game of the year. Yeah. They, their, their front seven, uh, is really good. Again, phenomenal. I think their front seven is probably the best in the league. And I'm, th- I'm saying that even against the Bison. Uh, I think their corners are good. Their safeties are maybe the question mark, I'd, I'd say, on the team. Uh, but up front, Jared Brinkman, that defensive tackle, is He's just nasty. 60 tackles from his nose guard spot. 60. Yeah, and I'm what? I'm I'm like really concerned at the six sacks mark because again, like I said, he's gone through the meat of the valley schedule. So, yep, yep. Uh, and then I think the player that that gave Aaron Johnson fits last year and had me worried about the the right tackle position, uh, Ellerson Smith. He's huge, six seven, two forty five, and he's fast. So he's, he's that defensive end, again, that just really tortured Aaron last year in Aaron's first start when he came in for Tyler Weir. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. I, I, really think, I really think we're going to have to help Aaron with him. Uh, I, I, just, I, I don't know if it's a tight end or if it's sliding the guard that way or back, uh, but especially with the rate teams have been blitzing as well, it's going to complicate it. Aaron's going to have to win some one-on-one matchups in the passing game against him. Yeah. And he's going to have to, and that'll all start with his footwork and his torso position because, uh, watching him against, um, uh, Tootsie, Tootsie or Tuska, Tuska. Yep. Tuska Tootsie or Tootsie is another cat on their team. He's that safety. Tuska's burst off the line of scrimmage, especially when it was an obvious passing down, which we're going to get into in some way, shape or form on Saturday. Um, is is going to need to be uh, attacked and addressed like he's not done this year. So we'll see what that matchup looks like. I agree with you. I think that's the the matchup to keep an eye on. He's already got 12 sacks on the year, um, getting double-digit sack totals in this conference, which historically um, really likes to run the ball top to bottom pretty much is, is uh, a testament. We're only 10 games in, two more to play. That's uh, Those are some solid marks. Yeah, and and Seth Thomas opposite him is no slouch either. So again, this is just the offensive line. They have to decide, like this. This is our week. We we're done. We're like this is no more of this crap. We're we're ready, uh, because this this group is going to bring it. And if we don't bring it, we're going to get embarrassed up front. Yeah, 
<laughs> do they want to get punked like they got punked last week? Do they want to get punked like they got punked for the first two and a half quarters against Youngstown? You know, it's yep. it's just it's all up to how high do they want their own ceiling to be. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yep, and I and I look for a couple things on offense. You know, last week we tried to do a lot of those wide receiver screens. Uh, well, what can we do off of that now? You know, what's the next step? What's the next progression off of those wide receiver screens? Or is, is there not anything else we can do off of it? Um, you know, I look for some creativity on that because we ran that wide receiver screen four or five times uh, last week. I think three of them were successful. So uh, it, it, we'll see. <laughs> the, the linebackers for you and I, though, as well, um, are really talented. And they run, you know, that three four, three three five, some sort, of, some type of hybrid of that. Uh, Spencer Perry kind of plays all over in the rover position, uh, but uh, Kolarovic and Flatter are are two really good tacklers, two really good linebackers uh, in the valley. So we'll see. That, again, the front seven. Uh, what do you think watching watching on tape from them, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, it's the same brand of, of UNI football that I've been accustomed to either playing against or seeing for some time now. They fly around defensively. They, they're big up front on the defensive line, and they're long as well. They're very similar to Illinois State in terms of uh, their defensive front. They have athletes. They've always had athletes. They got guys who will, who will go out there with bad intentions, and they're going to put a body on you. Um, I think LJ Fort is still playing in the NFL. I played against him. He's a solid linebacker. You're going to see their patented cross blitz or double A double A gap blitz. I guarantee you because they're going to want to test um, Gannant or Clark or whomever. We've had snapping issues uh, when it wasn't Gannant. Now we got a a guy who's back in um, after a long layoff. So I mean, why why wouldn't you do that? Do it until they show that they can consistently stop it. Um, Communication is going to need to be uh, at a premium. It always is, but now it's really going to need to be there because UNI does run some exotic blitz packages, and and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some wrinkles in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I don't want all all of what happened against Illinois State to leave a sour taste in our mouths because I think some solid things were done. Uh, of course, Cade is a gamer. He stepped up again and played with a fury and bad intentions. And when he touched the ball every single time, he was looking to score, set up a score with it. Um, so he's going to need to be the leader and lead from the front as he's been accustomed to doing so far this year. Heidi's movement within the pocket, there were some really solid things. But like like I said, and like Coach Stig said and alluded to, if he can get through his progression maybe a half second to a second sooner and continue to step up and move in the pocket like that, tuck the ball and get down quickly, I think we're going to be all right. Yep. So, and, and he's going to need to help his offensive line out by making quick decisions. Again, that's going to have to also come from Coach Eck. And I, I like what we did to start the game against Illinois State. Some quick passes out on the edge, get the ball in Cade's hands. Um, I would like to see less of the Wild Jack and more of uh, Heidi in to develop a rhythm, even if it is just handing the ball off. Um, so that's kind of where I'm sitting. What about yourself? Yeah, I think, I think if we, uh, can, can get them, can hit them on a couple of these blitzes. And, and like I said earlier, gash them, uh, that's going to put a little more fear into them and a little more scared to make them a little more scared to send the house. And we just didn't hit those plays against Illinois state, which is weird for us. We usually have some of those big chunk plays in the game. Uh, and so 
I'd look for some of that, whether it is a wide receiver screen and Cade busting one off or some type of a counter off of that wide receiver screen or catching them on a draw or something different like that where, where we're getting them a little off balance from, from what they're trying to do. Uh, I, like, I do like our wide receivers against this group. I'd really like it if one of our tight ends would step up and, and, and perform at a, at a level we know that they can because I don't think their safeties are that good. Uh, so, again, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think this is a low-scoring one, that's for sure. Yeah, and if, if, if you notice, if you're just a fan of football, if you watch what happened last night with the Sunday night football game, Cowboys and Vikes, as you and I are Vikings fans, oh, no, see I'm what a, happens. Hold on. Wait. i got to stop you right now, Kyle. I'm a Packer fan, man. Woo. Nope, nope. I, I didn't. I didn't hear that you're a Vikings fan. So because you're a Vikings fan, um, I know it's Ben. That's right. That's right. It was Ben. Ben's the only one I can trust on this podcast now. Um, no, I'm just playing. But if you see what happened historically, and even with the Packers, I mean, they were able to utilize Jimmy Graham because uh, Jones was going off in the run game, and so was Dalvin Cook. And Kyle Rudolph caught two tugs and then had a two-point conversion. So you see what opens up. Opportunity opens up. So to your point, I would like to see those tight ends in blue and yellow make the most of their opportunities, convert, and then just move on to the next play. Good or bad, move on to the next play. Yep. All right. Uh, I think we need to talk just a little bit about their special teams because you and I is always always feels dangerous on special teams. Especially uh, in the return game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this year, they lost their top uh, point kick returner Deion McShane like I mentioned the wide receiver and then Jalen Rima who has been there a while I think has one kick return against the Jacks for a touchdown uh he he decided to leave the team after the fourth season and he's going to be transferring and so uh, it's interesting they don't have McShane or Rima anymore and they have not had success this year returning kicks or punts and so and they haven't been great at covering them either or at least they haven't been great at covering punts so if Jackson gets some space, that could be a big uh, game-changing play potentially on Saturday, Jackson-Yonke. Um, maybe I'm calling that shot. We'll see. Uh, but kick returns and stuff, they still get good coverage. They're trying to pin you deep. Um, they only have a few touchbacks, 11 touchbacks on 48 attempts, and he has hit three out of bounds. And so that tells me they're trying to pin the return man in the corner uh, and get him before the 20-yard line. So Jackson will have to block that up right so that we don't get pinned back there. Uh, and pretty good kicking, field goal kicking for them. So it's just different this year because, again, like you said, they always have a good returner. This year they don't. So we'll see on that. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the suddenness by Jackson Yankee back there returning punts this past Saturday. Very sudden, one move, upfield, then his physicality was able to emerge. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing, I think he was one of the culprits uh, for getting upfield on one of the, the little tunnel screens mm -hmm. that we ran showing his physicality again and the ceiling and the upside for that kid just continues to um excite me i think i texted the group like he's kind of the creative player that you made in ncaa when you were a kid yeah. six two two fifteen you know fast uh has kind of a unique swag out there you know very muscle bound cat so it's good to see hopefully he can set the tone because when you have a big return you take care of the ball and sco uh, score or set up a score it's it's a huge momentum swing, and uh, it's going to be we're going to need all phases to be complementary. I hope we continue to lean on our kick game and don't abandon it. Fromm hit a forty three yarder, you know, so I would have liked to have seen him actually be sent out there, like we already talked about. 
uh, instead of running that fake. But I know the Jacks will square it away this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. So that that's a great segue then to predictions. Uh, my prediction right now, and it could change by Friday when I do my What to Watch article, uh, but my prediction right now is a Jackrabbit victory 21-13. to 13. What about you? I think it's going to be... I'm going to go 20 to 17 jacks. All right. All right. Uh, And we always do this as well. Uh, Player to watch for you. Player to watch for me is going to be Mikey. Uh, Last, this past Saturday, I called Mikey out. I think stylistically, it's another Mikey Daniel day. We can kind of assert our influence and control the tempo of the game. Um, And then look to see, uh, I think, you know, historically, we have had good tight ends showing against them. So one of our tight ends, I feel like, will emerge in some capacity there. Defensively, um, Roseboom, being from Sioux Center, Iowa, it's his last game potentially against the Panthers unless we see them in some weird uh, seating matchup in the playoffs. But look for big things to come out of him, um, some game-changing plays, and just consistency like he's shown top to bottom. Okay. Uh, my players, uh, I like Blake Coons, so you stole that one from me, uh, but I like Blake Coons this week, and I'm saying Isaiah Weston is going to play, and Dyshawn Gales is going to shut him down. Uh, he, go. He's going to match him up with the speed and the size, and he's going to shut Isaiah Weston down for the first time this year. So let's go, Dyshawn. Don't let me down, buddy. I know, right? A lot of pressure because I know he's going to be listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any last thoughts, Kyle, from you? Man, it's just no greater opportunity for the guys to wash away uh, the bumps and bruises from last week than to go and just take care of business this this week. I think Coach Stig used to always harp on it. Don't let um, the previous play beat you. So play in the present was one of the mantras that he always used to hammer home um, with us. And I think that – it's, it's one of the fixtures within the Jackrabbit program and um, in, included in that umbrella of the Jackrabbit way. So really like that. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. Hopefully fans show up because there's no three-day weekend and hopefully some nice things are done to kind of build excitement because this is a playoff caliber team, man. And uh, I think everything is still in front of us. I really do. So um, I'm excited about that. And then uh, we'll get into some things here. I want, we want to shout out Dallas Clark scene for helping us out with some of the edits and the intro former uh, player himself. who looks like he could still suit up, but uh, big thanks to him for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Big thanks to Dallas for the intro and the editing. We appreciate it. Uh, and also shout out to your dad for being out on the field uh, with his teammate uh, Tuma, last Tuma. Right. And uh, so that was pretty cool to see that. And uh, we got to talk just the last thing. Uh, Devin Cole is our most recent verbal. He is a slot wide receiver out of Florida. He plays quarterback right now in high school. Uh, 5'11", 175. Uh, Really an intelligent looking kid. Again, he plays quarterback. He's a dynamic athlete back there. Throws the ball well. Uh, But it's really his plays with his feet that, that make him stand out. And so I like that. I like that converted quarterback into a slot receiver. Uh, just because your slot is understanding coverage so much and working yourself open in the gaps or uh, working the leverage, whatever it may be, uh, to get your defender off balance and, and just kind of being a quarterback's best friend. And so I, I really like this signing, uh, a dynamic Florida boy, uh, to add to this offensive group that we have coming in right now. So 
really a good player. Excited to see what he brings. Loving this class even more every day. That's awesome. I'm hyped about the Cole signing. It's always nice to see some people from down south uh, take a chance, pull the trigger on the Jacks, and vice versa. I think he's going to have a solid career if he takes care of business, does what he's supposed to do. Because like you said, it's a great transition. They understand the route concepts. They understand coverages. And with that quick being 5'11", quick and twitchy, you're able to uh, create a little bit of added separation like the Edelmans and the Amendolas of the world who were also uh, former quarterbacks. So awesome. Welcome to the Jackrabbit family. Yep, yep. Got to throw Randall Cobb in there as well, former quarterback. Uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, No pack, no. (laughs) As always, uh, please like, please share, please subscribe. Uh, Please let us know if there's something you'd like us to talk about. Send in questions. Uh, We'll do our best to get to them. Uh, But again, thank you for your support. We, we really do appreciate it. And if we get to host a playoff game, there will be something fun happening. So uh, we'll let you know on that. little teaser. Yeah, a little teaser. So with that, go Jacks. Run Rabbits. This has been the Splitting Hairs Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe as well as follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but I like Blake Coons this week. And I'm saying Isaiah Weston is going to play. And Dyshawn Gales is going to shut him down. Uh, He's going to match him up with the speed and the size, and he's going to shut Isaiah Weston down. Player to watch for me is going to be Mikey. Uh, This past Saturday, I called Mikey out. I think stylistically it's another Mikey Daniel day. 